Hey there, freaks, geeks, and everyone in between. Welcome to another episode of Wake and Jake. I am here this week with Adam Hester of Skeleton Factory Podcast and Con Man Podcast. Go ahead and introduce yourself there, man. Hello. Yeah, it's Adam from the Skeleton Factory Podcast, and it's a cult film podcast that exists on the internet. And I uh, and um, I talk about the best and cult films that exist in the world today and as well as con men podcast it's a uh sean and shondo likes to call it a comedy and uh conspiracy theory podcast um he thinks that somehow that'll make us more monetizable but he is mistaken um but yeah we talk about uh conspiracy theories and the validity of them and we just got done rapping uh this evening about the uh, oklahoma city bombing <laughs> Oh, I've heard you guys start on that one with fucking Eli. That's always a great one. Yeah. I mean, it definitely fucking happened. And I don't think it's really a fucking conspiracy. I don't know. The whole thing, like, Sean's not convinced that the idea of, uh, of, like, the lone gunman or the lone bomber who's capable of blowing up a fucking building is possible. And I'm of the opinion that it is completely fucking possible. So... that's what makes a good show work when you have two differing opinions, though, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And everyone on that show is everyone is uh, very much on different pages, but we all get along pretty well. Yeah, no. And for my guests that don't know, um, his co-hosts on Conman are Coop, Joel, or I mean, not Joel, Elamnesio. Yeah, Joel never shows up. Yeah, no, that Elamnesio guy's an asshole. It's kind of an asshole, but it's part of his like <clears throat> it's part of his uh uh CTE, you know. Mm. He's 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 endured a lot of brain trauma from years of luchador wrestling, catch his catch can in the um you know, in Europe. Yeah, man. So tell me a little bit about Skeleton Factory. What got you going on that one? Because I know the mutual friends we have worked in the film industry. Did you work in the film industry? No, I didn't work in the film industry. Um <clears throat> by by trade i'm actually a barber and um yeah i've always been into movies uh kind of growing up as like a like a latchkey kid i've just got sucked into movies and um and you know like cutting people's hair for so many years it's like sometimes you just can't connect with people about sports or the weather and shit like that so but what I found that I will kind of people's eyes will light up when I ask, I'm like, are you watching anything cool right now? Have you seen any good movies lately? And people kind of wake up and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm watching this, I'm watching that. And I found out about all kinds of cool movies from people and opened up a lot of people to um, shit that they probably would never have seen before. And after a few years of that, I realized like, fuck, this is I, I essentially am doing a fucking eight hour podcast just at work every day. So I decided to just turn it into a podcast. So. That's pretty much how Skeleton Factory started. Yeah, no, how long ago did you start that one? Uh, started last year. Started last year. Um, I moved out to Austin in, um, let's see, I, I moved out here in um, mid-March 2021 uh, from the Bay Area and uh, got the show starting probably around uh, September. I think that's when I got the uh, first episode done. And now I'm at uh, episode 30, working on 31 right now. Nice, dude. I know. I love listening to your show, especially how you do the audio for it. It's just something amazing. For those that haven't listened to it, I highly suggest it. It's like Adam's making sweet love to your ears the whole time. (laughs) Yeah, dude. You know, I I would have never made it doing phone sex, you know. But, you know, know, maybe... uh, I don't know, maybe OnlyFans. Maybe I can do OnlyFans for deaf guys. Just have them, ha- just answer phone calls for them and shit like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> deaf guys who are horny, who want to have me describe dirty movies. Like, tell me about, yeah, tell me about Tracy Lord's new new wave hookers from the 80s, you know, before she was legal. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Hey, if some old old blind guy wants to pay me to talk dirty to him, man, you know, money's 20 bucks is 20 bucks. Yeah, I know, like that old saying, I'm not gay, but 20 bucks is 20 bucks. Yes, sir. 
Yeah, no. So, uh, what, what got you going down to Austin? Because you said you started your podcast after moving down there, so it's not like the normal thing that most people are like. I'm going to start a podcast and move to Austin. Yeah. Um, well, uh, like I had the idea when I was living in San Francisco. I've been there for a long time, but San Francisco just became like fucking absolutely unmanageable to live in. It became just like a fucking dystopian fucking uh, escape from New York type nightmare. And eventually I was like, I need to get the fuck out of here. And I went and scoped out a few cities. And then I found like Austin would probably uh, like fit the bill uh, a little bit better than a lot of other places. So, you know, I packed up the, packed up the fam and moved out here. Yeah. And then uh, as soon as I got here, I had, I had space, I had time and I got the, uh, I got the show up and running. And then I happened to come across Coop from Econoblast on Instagram and we were like we haven't talked to each other in almost 20 years like we were roommates in Southern California way back in the day when he was like a fucking baby he was like 18 19 years old and I was like 21 and uh we were roommates we had a fucking band together he was already in like a big deal fucking like new metal bullshit band and you know like we were we were fucking we were tight, man. We were homies and shit. And then we just kind of went our own separate ways and shit. And then we reconnected when we're all old and gray and shit. And he's still coop, man. Yeah, no, that's how like, I. Yeah. Sorry about that, dude. Yeah, no, no, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was gonna say that's how I found out about you. You were on Iconoblast, and you had the whole it's like Squid Games, but with cum. Yeah. Yes, sir. Oh my god, you know what? One of the listeners fucking made this the most most beautiful like wood beer coaster with that etched into it. And fucking and Coop and uh Coop and Joel gave me that. Now it's in them it's in my living room and it's a nice conversation piece when people come over. I'm like, here, let me put your drink on this. And they're like, What the fuck does this mean? Like you wouldn't understand. <laughs> yeah, Bro, no, I'm loving I'm loving all your fucking uh all your fucking uh, Bay Area fucking metal shit. I'm loving the sleep shirt. I'm loving the own poster, dude. Is oh that yeah, the show? dude. Speaking of that, I actually just saw Sleep last night on 420. Bro, yeah, I saw that in the fucking Instagram. <laughs> like, what do did they do? Like a whole album, or they just kind of mix it up? I was so high, I don't know how much of Dope Smoker they actually played. <laughs> <laughs> they probably played it twice who knows <laughs> who the fuck knows yeah no they i know for sure they played parts of dope smoker that that song leaks beneath the clarity and dragonaut those are the ones i for sure remember fuck yeah absolutely that's great man yeah no fuck i actually yeah. met the singer when i was working at the airport doing coffee he would come by a lot uh matt pike no home um alice narrows the singer yeah fuck yeah man that's great uh, did you ever see that documentary uh such uh such wolves such hounds no it's basically about like desert rock and stoner rock in the 90s so they talk about they have a whole section on the making of dope smoker they have a whole section on like um like fu manchu and caius and all that desert rock shit and it, it's an interesting uh little documentary pretty tight it's called such uh such wolves such ha- no such hawks such hounds all right i'll have to check that out dude yeah. i actually i i used to work with matt pike no shit and it fucking blew my mind when that motherfucker showed up i like one of my <laughs> homies he like uh like i used to be a chef back in the day and one of my like dirtbag chef homies had a catering company and um he needed help so i came and like worked at this and it was like some it was like, like some sketchy fucking like Asian mob club in the middle of some industrial area in San Francisco. And that's where he ran the kitchen out of and shit. And they would like deliver food to like offices and like uh, financial district in San Francisco. Right. And um, at some point they're like, okay, we need someone to like drop menus off at these offices so they can order food from us and shit. And he's like, one of my buddies, he's going to come uh, work for us, man. He's going to go drop menus off at fucking these office buildings and shit. You know, he's like, like you gotta ride his bike around and shit we're like oh. i was like okay cool and the dude shows up and it's fucking matt pike and i'm like bro that's matt pike he's like yeah i know who he is and 
And so like we worked through the day and then we got to like a lunch break and we were all sitting outside smoking cigarettes. I'm like, yeah, yo, Matt, uh, aren't like, aren't you like a fucking rock star? What, what are you doing here, bro? And he told me this story of like, he's like, he, first of all, he sounds like Bill and Ted. He's dude, bro. I've been on tour with fucking Ozzy for like five fucking years, man. Mm-hmm. Let me explain my day to you. Okay. I'd wake up from the tour bus. I'd go to the Jägermeister tent, okay? I'd get lit at the fucking Jägermeister tent, and then I'd go to the PlayStation tent. And then I'd play PlayStation until they're like, yo, you need to get on stage. I'd go play the show, go back to the Jägermeister tent, and fall asleep on the fucking bus. And that was the rotation for five years. Now that I'm not doing that, I can't sit in my house in fucking Oakland. I'll just end up becoming a fucking junkie, so I had to get a job. And I was like, holy shit, that's so weird. I was like, all right, cool. Good to have you aboard, man. This is like pre-Fat Matt Pike. It was amazing. Oh, shit. So it was like skinny, like dirtbag Matt Pike. Yeah. When he looked good in a wife beater and shit. (laughs) Yeah, dude, he was fucking shirtless last night and he was tripping on fucking something. It was one of the best (laughs) shows I have ever fucking seen. That guy's fucking great, man. Jesus Christ. Yeah, no, I saw the Gold Coast Wrestling shirt, so I was going to ask you about, like, shit like California, because you're from California, right? Yeah. So you yeah, like... I'm originally from uh, Central California in a town called Manteca. It's near Stockton, and it's basically, the, it's basically the town from Sons of Anarchy, except uh, the town I'm from won't, wouldn't allow Sons of Anarchy to use the name, so they they created a fake town name for Sons of Anarchy, but... That's basically where I'm from, and I moved to the Bay Area right after high school and shit, and um, yeah, like California, Bay Area, all types of independent wrestling. It's, you know, it's a hot Bay, or it always has been, you know, even going back to like The Rock's fucking like uh, uncles and nephews and cousins and shit, you know? Yeah, no, it's like independent wrestling and doom metal comes out of that area, and it's so fucking cool. Big time. A lot of, lot of fucking doom metal, fucking Acid King and shit like that. It's just, and I've seen so many goddamn amazing shows out there. Like I saw Sunder and fucking, uh, fucking Graves at Sea, like all that sort of like post 2003 fucking like Bay Area fucking stoner rock shit was so big. Oh. And it, it, it was cool living there when all that shit was going on. Saw so many like great black metal shows and just, yeah, I saw Sun and fucking Wolves in the Throne Room and all, all that shit God, when it was all like sun. new. I did that show, I saw Sun at this like, it was basically like, it's like this weird dance club, but they would do all these like heavy shows. Like I saw Death in June there and shit. And um, I saw Sun there and like the floor was all concrete and shit. And fucking I couldn't. The floor was vibrating so hard when I, I couldn't even walk home because my feet were so numb from being vibrated oh. for like two fucking hours. Just... <clears throat> and people were in such a fucking trance watching Sun. Like people were just like had their eyes closed just listening to Sun. And you would see people start to rock back and forth and people were just fucking collapsing. Oh. It was like some... <laughs> Like some it was fucking like some ritual? weird cult experience. It was like some <laughs> fucked up ritual. It was pretty fucking awesome. It was funny. I almost fought, fell asleep. It was like the best type of boring ever. <laughs> Dude, that's how it was last night. Because like they played on a stage, like on a venue that's like the floor's plywood. So it's... The, the, <laughs> but the floor was plywood? So like... I don't even know how to describe it. It's like boards because the way they built the venue is it sound vibrates through the floor back around through the back of the venue and back up towards the stage. Yeah. So it has that weird like bubble thing in it. So you could feel the sound vibrating. So it sounds like you're listening to fucking headphones because you could feel every note in your body. (laughs) That's fucking sweet. Yeah, no, one of my coworkers I went with fucking went into a trance when we were watching them during the clarity, and it was the most beautiful fucking thing ever. Fucking sleep. There you go. You will not find a better sleep advertisement than that. Dude, yeah, no. So speaking of wrestling, did you see a lot of like crazy independent wrestling back in the day too? 
Yeah, like back in the day, uh, back in like the day day, I definitely saw my fair share of like, uh, like I saw like uh, Arco Arena in Sacramento and like Alex G. Spano Center in uh, Stockton. I saw, I mean, I saw Rowdy Piper versus Ric Flair. When Ric Flair was, uh, when he showed up in WWF, I saw them do a fucking show. I saw our match rather, like I saw Bret Hart back in the day. Top Macho Man, Randy Savage. Um, but then like all in, like independent shows, uh, there was a there was a short-lived um independent company called Fog City Wrestling that was based out of San Francisco. And I saw them do a show and the uh, Tonga Kid and um I want to say Rikishi was also there. They're all shit. Samoan dudes. Bay Area is like anyone who's Samoan who's res- ever wrestled and was famous, Bay Area, all of them. And um, yeah, so they did a match and that was pretty cool. Bought the Tonga kid a whole, like a 30 rack of fucking like natty ice. And then we fucking mm-hmm. just kicked it with them in front of some like shitty building in the mission. And then um, at the Kizar Stadium, um, at the Kizar Stadium in San Francisco. So if you like, if, if you ever go to, it's like right near Golden Gate Park. And okay. uh, uh, they, I saw this, oh God, I can't even, Oh my God, I'm kind of blanking on the name of the actual organization it was, but I saw the Sandman do a cage match with some like independent dude who looked basically like the old school barbarian. And they called it a clockwork orange cage match where they basically had like a, it looked like a WWF, like 80s, 90s, like the big blue cage they had. And they had all these weapons attached to it. So there was like, there was like canes and, and, and like, uh, like crutches and all this shit and they also had like like a computer keyboard and there was one spot they did where the sandman grabs it hits the dude over the head and the fucking keys busted <laughs> all over the place and that got the hugest pop from the fucking crowd and the sandman consummate professional as soon as the match is over fucking enter sandman's playing in the fucking place he rolls out of the fucking ring bleeding and sweating walks up to where his merch table is that no one's manning by the way and immediately sits down and starts selling merch. And he's like, I bought a Singapore cane from Chinatown that day. And he fucking signed the handle of it. And it was hanging in the fucking my living room for the longest time. He fucking, I bought a sweet Sandman shirt. He signed all my ECW sh- like VHSs. And That's so fucking cool. I had a fucking Sabu doll. <laughs> I had a Sabu action figure still in the thing. I'm like, like i know you're not sabu but can you sign this anyways he was like sure why not and he even i even called up a buddy of mine who was like the biggest sandman fan i'm like if i call my friend jason right now will you just talk to him he's like yeah yeah no problem bro and i fucking i was like hello jason dude someone wants to talk to you and i hand him the phone and sandman just goes yo and like he talked to my friend friend jason for like five minutes and then i fucking he hands me back the phone and the dude's like, dude, thank you. I love you so much for fucking getting the Sandman on the phone with me. But yeah, so shit like that. Saw a lot of that type of stuff. Saw a lot of really shitty like luchador matches and like fucking flea markets too. Oh, those so, are fucking fun to see. Like the Oakland free, flea market, you will, there is, there is no shortage of 70 year old men in masks taking hip tosses, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, fucking. Um, yeah, no, so, like, what got you into, like, wrestling and, like, movies and all that shit? Because I notice a lot of people that are into that shit, it kind of, like, ties in the same horror, cult, wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I grew up with wrestling, like, uh, my, like, I grew up, like, I had a, I grew up with, like, a shitty biological dad. So, um, but one thing that he was good with when he had, like, the one weekend a month to, like, watch me and my brother is, he recorded everything. He had VHSs of everything. So like everything from like, um, like Chuck Norris movie. Oh, Ch- Charles Bronson movies. Like, fuck yeah. Like all the Death Wish movies and stuff. Like I saw at my at my fucking old man's house, like on VHS. Like, and then and wrestling. You know what I mean? Because we're there on the weekends. So if you're watching wrestling back in the day, you watch fucking. Uh, you watch fucking. Uh, WWF saw him Saturday mornings, and then you, and then you sometimes it'd be a Friday show. And this is like pre Monday Night Raw. It's, it's so we were we would watch 
and we go there for pay-per-views because the pay-per-views would fall on a weekend and stuff. So it's like, okay, weekend with dad, we're watching a fucking pay-per-view and he'd have to fucking cough up the money for us to watch WrestleMania or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I was always really into fucking movies and cable back in the day. It's like you watched everything on fucking repeat. You know, you watch fucking, you know, Terminator and fucking, oh, shit. you know, just shit that would play on like, I don't know if you can dangerous see- with John Candy and Eugene Levy. Can like fucking see it, but I have, uh, that's jingle all the way signed by i don't know who signed by but it's signed by one of the cast members <laughs> just somebody yeah <laughs> just somebody well you know what I, I you know what that's awesome i actually came across i found a copy of texas chainsaw massacre uh, massacre three um that somebody got signed by ken forey um probably at a convention i've just found it at fucking like amoeba records for like oh, six fuck. bucks and i was like oh shit ken forey's signature is like not on the plastic it's on the fucking inside sleeve and shit so and i like texas chainsaw massacre three i like it more i actually like it more than two which is sacrilege to some people but i just think it's a better constructed horror movie so it's- like yeah totally respect getting your shit autographed <laughs> yeah i think it was me and you that talked after the new one came out that like it was just fucking terrible <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude i was i was not fucking into like dude, i'm like bro that is like not texas so, like we're totally in texas it's like bro you're in romania like you're in transylvania that's not texas i'm we're, sorry we're, we're just I'm, outside of austin <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah we're totally just outside of like no you're not no you're fucking not and that's not leatherface as that is the weakest leatherface i've ever seen um yeah, I actually know a guy who lives next door to that the guy who directed that. And it's just like yeah, I think it was kind of like a just a cynical cash grab. That guy was like, I think he was buttered up. I think someone told him like, "Hey, do you want to be the hel- at the head of like a major horror franchise?" And I think I think initially his heart was in the right place, but it's like he uh, he wasn't a horror fan. He did not respect the uh the history of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and it shows clearly shows there they they the movie suggests that Leatherface was like 12 in the first movie no it yeah. wasn't that's what He's I didn't like understand 30 year old fucking man because I, I think I was it was you I was messaging I was like real pissed about it that was like that means he has to be like in his 70s or 80s now yeah and then they bring back Sally Hardesty and they try to pull the like Jamie Lee Curtis like she's a badass with a with a with a fucking lever action rifle and she's here to face down Leatherface. It's like this is a small town. Like you can't find Leatherface after fucking fifty years. Like I don't buy that. Also, like we need like there's this weird trend going on of like old people in horror movies who are like killing people. It's like stop. Old people aren't <laughs> killing nobody. It's like it's like the fucking uh, like that movie X, which I did a whole episode on. The, the movie X is the equivalent of Nancy Pelosi being a slasher in a horror movie. If Nancy Pelosi was coming at you with a knife, you'd knock that bitch unconscious. I mean, I would her head. still be pretty terrified. Have you seen that face? Imagine that with like flashing lights, just like yeet, yeet, yeet. yeah, with like a fuchsia pantsuit coming out of the darkness. Yeah, you would be scared for like a second, and then your survival instinct would kick in, and you'd kick that bitch's sternum into the back of her spine. <laughs> I was like, that movie's dumb. I was kind of hoping the old lady would have some kind of like magical powers or some shit, or there'd be some type of twist like that. But there wasn't. It's like old lady's horny, wants to fuck, and is taking it out on young people through the power of murder. I'm like that's that's not good enough of a story for me. Not that's to say that I don't like Ty West movies. And the movie didn't look good. It looked great. The first half of the movie's awesome, but the like, you know, the second half was sucked and i didn't like it <laughs> yeah dude, so on unlike movies and all that like cult movies you, you mentioned at the top of the show um what would you think is the first cult movie because when i was researching it i saw it was like nosferatu is like the most popular one is like the first cult movie but what do you yeah. think um the first cult movie i mean this may be kind of simplistic but i'm I might say that um, um, 
was it? what's that movie called? I'm I'm gonna butcher the title because I'm blanking out on it right now. But I just did an episode of Con. Then my brain's fuzzy. Um, what was it? A uh, trip to the moon? Like the first? Oh, like the first movie, really? Um, you know, it, it has the famous thing where like the the moon has a face, and then the rocket that's coming from Earth like lands in its eye. Yeah. And if you ever seen like uh like Lords of Salem, like Sherry Moon Zombie's apartment, she has a whole wall that's that image. It's the moon with the fucking uh rocket in its eye. It's so fucking rad. I think you... like Trip to the Moon is probably the first cult movie. Like if you watch it now, you're just like, fuck, that's that's like some uh 90s smashing pumpkins music video type shit. And it's not that impressive in the nineties, but in the fucking er, like the early part of the 20th century, that is fucking spectacular. And I love Nosferatu. And I don't even think Nosferatu was the first vampire movie. I could be wrong, but I, I don't even think that was the first like vampire movie, but God damn it. Nosferatu is the one that can you imagine watching that fucking movie when it came out? Horrifying. Dude, Must've even- been the scariest, the thing of fucking nightmares. Even when I talk to my mom when she talks about like how it was when she first saw The Exorcist when it first came out, and now I watch it like stoned, and I'll just be like fucking laughing about it and shit. <laughs> yeah. Just be like, ah, that's so stupid. Yeah, but horror is kind of like comedy in that like it doesn't age well, but horror ages better than comedy, I think. Oh, it does. It's way, way better because at least with like with comedy it's very rare that you have a visual aesthetic and it, well, there, there's exceptions, you know, like uh, Dr. Strangelove. It's one, it's aesthetically very interesting to look at. It's in black and white. It's shot very beautifully. You have the whole Stanley Kubrick eye for like compelling visual cinema, but then you have really good actors and everyone's delivering their lines totally straight. No, like no one's like, we're in a fucking comedy. It's like, Everyone's playing it very straight, but they're saying this absurd dialogue. And that's a movie that's like a rare exception of like a comedy that's been able to withstand like time. Like the comedy still lands and it's visually nice to look at. And the story, there's actually some satire there. It's like Robocop. There's some satire there where you're like the dangers of nuclear war and playing around with fucking geopolitics could lead to some bad shit and it's that's a very rare exception where like but like horror horror's tough man like i it's like texas chainsaw massacre is one of those rare ones where you're like it's a perfect horror movie it's it's perfect it it it, it is a it's a def it's definitionally a horror movie other movies you can kind of like brush it off as like well it's it's scary it's supposed to be a horror movie but it's kind of silly too but like the text chainsaw master fucking nailed it they oh, got yeah. it right the first time it's like I a remember- KitchenAid mixer like they, the design was perfect the first time around i remember being in like middle school watching it for the first time and be like holy shit this is fucking scary like yeah when he just like pops out of fucking nowhere and says like you're like ah fuck and and but just like that shot on 16 millimeter, that, that fucking film grain. And um, I mean, my last episode 30 of Skeleton Factory was on uh, Tetsuo the Iron Man, also shot on 16. And it's that, that graininess of the film, that, that, Im- that those imperfections in the image forces you to like look a little harder. And it's like listening to a Jake the Snake Roberts fucking uh, promo. <laughs> like, yeah, he, he talks right here very quiet you have to lean in to hear jake the snake million dollar man ted dibiase like you you have to kind of like be still and and lean in you know what i mean it's like toby hooper knew that like if like people are gonna have to lean in to really focus on what's going on you know and uh yeah man it's yeah i love horror films even even bad ones i will defend and it's in and, and a lot of and I like I just saw a uh, demons uh, uh, Lamberto Baba's demons at uh, one of the Alamo draft houses here and they because the Alamo draft house has their terror Tuesday with oh, those they'll show an actual the like a 35 millimeter of 
you know, some film and they did demons and just watching it, you're just like, just the visual aesthetic of it is, it's like Nosferatu, we're just looking at it. It's like literally watching a moving painting. It's fucking spectacular. If you ever come to Austin and it's on a Tuesday, we should go to a fucking Terror Tuesday. Dude, I am planning a trip down there again soon. I will be down there soon because I want to have Coop and Joel. And I know Coop doesn't like to do shows over Zoom. So since he's a grumpy what an asshole. I'm gonna text. I'm gonna text him that later. I'm like, I heard you don't like the Zoom. You don't like the Zoom call. Fucking nerd. Why doesn't he like to do shit over Zoom? What's wrong with him? I have no idea. But even then, it'll be. It's fun to hang out with them because I don't remember if he's. I don't know if he's even told you about this. But the first time I went down to Austin, um, I was hanging out with them at the studio the first night. Yeah. And they made me do a shot of whiskey. Or that wasn't the first night. It was like the second night, but they made me do a shot of whiskey chased with soy sauce. <laughs> right on. Yeah, because that was the only chase okay. we were in the studio. <laughs> well, you've been there. You what know a, how that place is. It's just what a fucking asshole. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have let that stand. I, <laughs> if, if I was there and he's like, you got to do a shot of whiskey, but you got to do it with soy sauce, I'd been like, fucking. You can guess who fucking put that. Leave the guy alone, fuckface. Uh, you know Devil Man like, too, right? <laughs> yeah, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I had drinks with Devil Man uh, not too long ago. Me and Joel went out to uh, Frasers. That's not too far away from the studio. Frasers is great. One of the like like best jukeboxes you'll find in fucking Austin, man. It's like you'll sit there. And they like you'll hear fucking Rocky Erickson, then you'll hear fucking like you know you'll hear Sabbath and shit. Like their their jukebox is great, and fuck, we're sitting there and we just got done with a show. And um, actually, no, we just got done with a promo for Skeleton Factory because Joel was shooting some promos for me and shit. And he's just like, "Oh yeah, Devil Man's gonna stop by." I'm like, "What here?" He's like, "Yeah," and fucking in walks fucking Devil Man fucking fucking like muscle wife beater fucking fanny pack <laughs> looking like a fucking like 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 an unemployed american gladiator and shit <laughs> like devil man what's up bro i'm like <laughs> that guy's a trip dude dude he is he's a fucking enigma yeah he's he's a trip and he's got that seductive australian accent yeah he's no, got I- that hemsworth accent <laughs> The first time I went down to Austin, we went to Egos with him and he did karaoke. And yeah. that, that was an entertaining night to watch him dressed as a vampire doing karaoke. Oh, he was dressed like a va- I don't think he was dressed like a vampire. That's that's just probably what it that's probably what he was just wearing. <laughs> Those were the clothes that were in the back of his car at the time. They actually were in the back of his car, so arrest my case. Yeah, no, so back to cult movies. I, I know I wanted to talk to you about their impact on society. What do you think about that? Because you watch like Dazed and Confused, Cheech and Chong, um, yeah. movies like that, and you see the obvious influence, or Half-Baked even, and you see the obvious influence they have on culture now with cannabis now being legal in, I think, 14 yeah. states. Well, yeah, that's hilarious to me because I, I grew up in California and I grew up like listening to like Cypress Hill, and that was like, protest music that was like bob marley level shit in the <laughs> 90s like they were talking about weed they were, li- they were literally talking about like a class one drug that you know what i mean and then but they were mainstream and now weed's legal so i'm like i don't know what cypress hill's gonna make fucking albums about now you know it's like well, weed's legal. that's like making fucking an album about I- ibuprofen it's like it's not it doesn't impress me my mom smokes weed and eats edibles and shit you know i mean she's a 67 year old woman you know it's you know it's like it's not shocking to anybody anymore but the way the cult films the way they affect society i think is it's it, like cult films are sort of like the smartest guy in the room at a, at any particular time but no one recognizes it but it's slowly recognized over time. Like, you know that guy in the corner way back when? That was the smartest dude in the room. That guy knew 
that dude was ahead of everybody, but he wasn't flexing nuts about it. He was just, he was just a little smarter than everyone else. Like that's how I see cult films are because they're able to stay fresh over time. And sometimes they get better over time. You know what I mean? You got stuff like, even the ones that are big and obvious, they're obvious now, but they weren't obvious then, like <laughs> like Blade Runner. And like Rob Zombie movies. I remember fucking Rob Zombie, like when people were like, Rob Zombie's making a movie. And people were like, fuck Rob Zombie, fuck White Zombie, <laughs> fuck, fuck, fuck Static X and all those fucking uh, like Warp Tour. Warp Tour. I'm all the, well, what was it? All those fucking like, values best second stage fucking bands. But it's like, like, I'm a big fucking Rob Zombie fan. Like that dude has made some really good fucking movies, you know. And admittedly, I like his fucking movies more than I like his music and shit. But it's one of those things where, like, and I recently did an episode on like the Green Inferno, and it, and I understand how people feel about uh, Eli Roth and shit. But it, I'm like, Eli Roth is one of those guys who's just slightly ahead of everyone else, but in a way that only horror movie and like cult film fans would acknowledge i mean because that, people were like because he made a cult he made a he made a can a jungle cannibal movie like people in loincloths <laughs> with mud in their hair in the fucking jungle with spears and shit at a time where it was like even then that was like no dude you don't do we don't portray pygmy people and people in the jungle like that. And Eli Rose like, oh yeah, we do. <laughs> Even then too, like that kind of like paved the way for like Midsommar and Hereditary with that like real dark, real intricate. Oh my job. God, especially Midsommar. I saw Midsommar, because Midsommar is like not even really a horror movie. It's, it's one of those things where it, the brilliance of Midsommar is it's, it, it showed, it had a fresh take on the idea of something foreign that was dangerous because most people because back in the day like like cannibal films like cannibals were brown people who were little who lived in the fucking jungle and shit but it's like midsummer was like white people smiling and dancing and mushrooms fucking smash your head with a hammer and it's part of their tradition and it's actually real it's not like some cannibals in the jungle that you can kind of like fuck up. You fuck with the uh, the validity and the fucking facts and shit. It's like, it's actually real. Like Midsummer is an actual thing. And someone was like, what if we just made that into a thing where like, fuck, we got to blood sacrifice somebody, which is the, which is the, the oldest tale ever in movies where it's like, you can make anything into a fucking blood <laughs> sacrifice if you wanted to <clears throat> Christmas, Halloween, Thanksgiving, Father's Day. I think Thanksgiving would be a good one. What's that? A Thanksgiving like horror movie would be so fucking good. Yeah, and actually, coincidentally, Eli, remember the remember the fucking Grindhouse, Robert Rodriguez, Quentin Tarantino movies. It was yeah. Planet Terror and Death Proof, and then they had all those fake trailers in between. Yeah. Um, Eli Roth did one called Thanksgiving. It was it was basically like a Thanksgiving horror movie, and then there was like, and then Rob Zombie did one called Werewolf Woman of the SS, <laughs> which I hope Rob Zombie still makes that because it's like he read the cast of characters, which are like like Sherry Moon Zombie and Udo Kier and Nicolas Cage as <laughs> Fu Manchu. Like that could be a real fucking movie, and then Machete was one of them, and that be actually became a real movie. And Hobo with a Shotgun was one of them. And that became a real movie. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed for a uh, werewolf woman of the SS and Eli Roth Thanksgiving horror movie. Keeping my fingers crossed. Yeah, those would be really fucking good, especially with the way Eli Roth shoots shit. Yeah, he just turned 50. And I'm like, that guy has at least another 35 years of filmmaking in him. I mean, look at Dario Argento. That guy is ancient and he's in the new Gaspar Noe movie. And he's fucking a decrepit old Italian guy so <laughs> keeping my fingers crossed but I think cult films in a way like they they are the they are the most it's kind of like Mystery Science Theater 3000 where it's like I don't know if you're a fan but it's yeah. one of those things where like the humor is just a little bit smarter 
than the humor of the time where it's like you can watch a mystery science uh mystery science theater 3000 movie 10 years from now and it's and the jokes still land maybe not all of them but most of them still land but not in a comedy movie type of way where they're like this is the joke get it this is the part where you laugh they just throw a joke out there and they're like someone <laughs> someone out there will get this we're not expecting a laugh but we'll just calmly say the joke it's like watching monty python or something it's just like we'll throw the joke out there we know someone will laugh at this it's like they sent these little they set these landmines of humor into the field of life and they know someone will eventually step on it eventually they're not like banking on like someone will step on this landmine right now they're like no someone will someone 20 years from now will step on this landmine and laugh their balls off and that's so like those people are rare those people are incredibly rare especially in film whether it's horror or comedy or drama or sci-fi you know it's like philip k dick like he, he lived long enough to see Blade Runner. And he was like, that's exactly the way I saw the fucking book in my head. And that dude was probably a schizophrenic. So it's like, if really Scott nailed a fucking schizophrenic's vision, it's like, fucking, that's a good goddamn movie. And I love Blade Runner. Like, I'm like Mel Gibson in the movie Conspiracy Theory. Like, I have way too many copies of fucking Blade Runner. Like, it's not even funny. Because there's so many versions, I have to own all of them. So it's, you know, and Blade Runner was a flop when it came out, which is crazy to think about. They're the greatest sci-fi film ever made, you know? Yeah, no, it's what the really... fuck do I know, though? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Blade Runner was like the first sci-fi movie I really ever watched, like, growing up. And I was like, holy fucking shit, this is shot. Like, like how is this? How did they do this? Yeah, it's one of those movies you look at and you're like, I can't, especially when you're young, you're like, I can't even, like, my brain can't comprehend what I'm, I'm like, I can't understand what I'm seeing. But it, that's one of those things that ages well over time because the, as, it's like watching a, a good Pixar movie, I guess, where it's like, there's the humor for the kids, but then there's the jokes for adults that goes over kids' heads. And as kids get older, they're like, oh, yeah. I didn't realize there was a joke right there. I remember seeing this movie when I was a kid, and that's actually pretty funny. You know, I think I think uh, cult films are are like that, and I think cult films are one of those things that secretly bind people together, like without them knowing it. It's just sort of this this invisible hand guiding people. It's not big things like the new Star Wars. Anything on Disney Plus is not gonna be nostalgic to anybody in 30 years no one's going to be like you know what the mandalorian changed my life like no it didn't it's good now i guess but it's not doing anything that fucking you know some fucking cowboy spaghetti western director wasn't doing 50 years ago yeah no even then like sorry about that oh good Oh no! I was gonna say even then, like you go back and watch like Mandalorian now, it's like, oh, this is that's all right. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, it, like it's it's the best possible outcome for that character, but it's also one of those things where uh, what was it? Rich Evans from Red Letter Media said that like he's he's did it perfectly where he said um, the Star Wars universe is incredibly limited. It's this tiny universe that you can't do much with. It seems big, but the second you go outside of lightsabers and TIE fighters and AT-AT walkers, people just shut it down. The people aren't like, no, I need fucking, I need people using force powers. I need lightsabers. I need, I need all that fucking shit. I need fucking Millennium Falcons. Otherwise, it's, how, how would you know it's Star Wars otherwise? And it's like, well, that's kind of true but I am not a Disney plus subscriber. So yeah, no, you guys have a whole, I give China enough <laughs> fucking money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you guys on Codman have a whole thing against Disney and it's fucking great. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't see, I think Disney's just going to end up getting absorbed by some bigger company eventually. 
and then no one will remember fucking um, Disney. And I know that sounds insane, but it's like a lot of what is that? Orion Pictures? They came out with like the Terminator. Is like if somebody was like, yeah, the company that came out with the Terminator, they're gonna be bankrupt and not exist anymore. And now everyone thinks the Terminator is universal. Yeah, and it's not. It's like it's one of those things where it's gonna Disney's gonna end up being a company that's that just consumed and absorbed by a larger company eventually. People think like the Chinese government just take over. This. No, that's not that's not mm-hmm. how it works. The Chinese government will fucking bankroll a bigger American company that has ideas. They may not be great ideas, but there'll be a company that can still distribute fucking all that fucking old. Like someone needs to see Aladdin. Someone needs to see fucking the Fox and the Hound. Snow White and the other- Seven Peter Dinklage's. Yeah, someone's got to see that. Someone needs to be responsible for putting that out. We don't want to fucking do it. And they'll, make, they'll, they'll become Sony eventually. And Sony has absolutely nothing going for it besides PlayStation and the fact that they own Blu-ray. Blu-ray is a Sony product. And that's probably, one, that's probably the best thing they have, actually. I enjoy Blu-ray. I still collect Blu-rays and stuff. I love the quality. Oh, my God. <laughs> Come on, Adam. Act like you're not drunk. but yeah it's i think disney's gonna end up like that it'll just be like some old white man a long time ago started a a goofy little company called disney stupid little mouse yeah that'll be a steamboat willie and that'll just be a fucking footnote in history because it'll be consumed by something bigger it has to yeah, I would be, I would, I would lose faith in humanity if some bigger, dumber company didn't take over Disney. I mean, to be honest. it's the market that Disney created, so eventually they will have to succumb to it. They have to, they have to, because though there will be another generation of geniuses like Spielberg and George Lucas, and like people who are savvy enough to create uh, shit that will get people to go to theaters or buy the shit on a streaming service, and then they'll have enough leverage and pull to take over those fucking companies and own the market share of them. And then, like, everything, all old Disney shit will just go away. And then the new dumb shit will fucking... And then the two of us will just sit around being like, well, back in my day, I saw (laughs) Matt Pike do a guitar solo. You know what I mean? Like, I went to Disney World. I went to Disney World. And, and I didn't get molested. I didn't get molested. And Ted Nugent gave me a high five in the parking lot. And people were like, who's Ted Nugent? Oh, you kids. That's what will happen. We will fade away into obscurity, just like Walt Disney and his vision of the world. Here's what's interesting about Walt Disney is, like, before he died, Walt Disney World was originally supposed to be, like, uh, like, a city it was a planned community and when he died the people who were still running disney were like well fuck we're not gonna make a planned community what are what what are we good at well we bit, built disneyland i mean let's make another disneyland but on the east coast that's what fucking elon musk is trying to do in austin with giga city and i'm just like i know how this story ends elon musk so i don't know even then i, I feel like, like Elon Musk. Let's let's hear what you got to say about Elon Musk. I I have a theory that Elon Musk, if he continues to try to build a city, I I think he'll pass away from some horrible disease within the decade. Oh shit! He won't he won't live to see his creation come to fruition. Because here's the thing about cities: there's too many fucking there's too many cooks in the kitchen. You have too many people who are in charge of different types of infrastructure and whoever's the biggest person in charge of electricity or water or land management or whatever, they're going to take over. And then fucking no more gigacity. They'll turn it into a shopping mall or they'll turn it into a fucking amusement park or some shit. They'll turn it into some shit that the original creator, it'll be completely opposite to what the original creator intended because fuck, you need to make money, right? Yeah. Um, and but I I do think to some extent Giga City will gain traction to some extent. 
Yeah, no, speaking of like um, Blu-ray and streaming and movie theaters and all that. Yeah. What do you think the future for like film in the industry is with it seeming like theaters being a thing in the past now? I think I think the idea of people going to see movies uh, in a theater, I, I don't think that will go away. I think theaters are like restaurants. You can't have a digital version of a, a three-star Michelin meal brought to your house. It's just not a thing because, it's, because the thing that separates a Michelin star meal from fucking you cooking at your house is the experience. And you can't replace that experience. Even with VR technology, people are going to want to physically go to a place to see movies. And I know that there's been like a dip in the market, but there's been a dip in all the fucking markets. When I was living in California, I couldn't cut hair for 10 months. I had to do it illegally, cutting hair in people's garages <laughs> and on the rooftops. And you know what I mean? Like getting paid cash and hiding money on Venmo and shit. Like it's like, yeah, there's dip, there's ebbs and flows and shit. But I think the idea of like, like, the idea of like worldwide box office, that's a thing that uh, hopefully the people's egos won't, they won't let that go. They're like, no, we need people going to theaters and watching this shit. We need to make sure that that happens. Because here's the thing with streaming, like streaming is, is going to end up like TV where it's like, no, no, like episodic episodes of shit if you're watching whatever the fuck you're watching, if you're watching Yellowstone or Raised by Fucking Wolves or whatever, it's like anything that's like, uh, like you're watching 10 episodes of something, you do that from home. You don't do it from a fucking theater. Like a theater is like, here's a presentation of a movie. And people want to try to think that movies and TV are very closely related and they're really not. They're really not because imagine if Breaking Bad was ninety minutes long. Oh God, Breaking it, Bad! It, it would imagine if all the all of Breaking Bad is ninety minutes. Sorry, maybe one hundred and twenty minutes. Like, doesn't work. You need you need to let that breathe with multiple episodes and cliffhangers, and so like, and you can only do that on TV. So I don't think movies will ever go away because it's one of those things where if you want to look at like old, you, you want to look at old like Victorian art or, or something shipped from the Renaissance. You have to go to a fucking museum, right? You got to go to the fucking Smithsonian or the Louvre or some shit. Where do you go to see movies? You got to go to a theater. There's no museums for movies. You have to literally show up and do the fucking thing. You know, it's like if you want to see a famous painting, you got to walk into the place, pay your fucking fee to get in and just stand there and look at the fucking thing and absorb it. And I feel like movies are the same way because it's a it's an art. It's a, there's a technique to it that I don't think will go away in our lifetime. I just think it's I think it's in a dip right now. I think the popularity of streaming um, makes people think that theaters are an anti equated thing of the past and i just don't think that that's that's a thing it's like if somebody was like why would you go see a band live like who does that you can just you can for for fractions of a penny on a dollar you can watch videos of a band just performing what's the difference and you'd be like well you got to go to a music venue and see the fucking band live you know they're that's interacting with the crowd you know and somebody being like you don't need to no, you already know the songs. Why do you need to see it live? It's silly. It's like, no, it's not silly. That's how I feel movies are. It's like you have to go and see the fucking thing. Like I've seen Dawn of the Dead a million times. The original George Romero, Dawn of the Dead. I went to Castro Theater in San Francisco and watched it on a screen. It was, diff it was like a different movie. I've seen the goddamn movie a thousand times until I saw it on a giant screen. It changes something different. It's like going to see like a basketball game or a baseball game on TV and then going to see it live. You're like, this is different. It's not the same thing. 
the experience is different. Yeah, no, like That's I right. was saying with like how concerts are, with like some bands you'll smell like weed, alcohol, the like even the, the smell, smell of sweaty people. <laughs> yeah, I was trying not to be gross, but the smell of the sure. venue, like just like the old building and like all stuff like that. It's just something else, the atmosphere, feeling it go through your body instead of just sitting on a couch and hearing it in your ears. Yeah. It's like people going to church. It's like, and I, you know, I got like religious people in my family and they're just, I talked to them during the pandemic. and They're like, I hate going to church on my iPad. I hate it. <laughs> they like the sense of community. They like the sense of going to the place to do the thing. Yeah. You know I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of like going, it's like doing your workout on those like giant mirror workout things where somebody's like, this is how we're going to do our workout today. It's like, no, it means more if I go to the fucking gym and do the fucking set of squats and get them in. I don't need a fucking hologram Tupac fucking telling me how to do my workout. Like I, you need to go to the place to do the thing. You know, I, I think that's, that's, I think also this is kind of a little off topic, but I think the whole idea of like people who work from home and the tech sector, I think that will eventually, that will eventually not go away, but it's going to fucking pull back a lot because I think something inside of people needs to go to work to do the thing, to acquire the skill. Like how much skill are you going to acquire just sitting in your underwear in your bedroom? Like you need to, you know what I mean? Like there's people, your coworkers are your coworkers, but at the same time, there's a competition within you. That's like, yeah, I, I work with these people and we depend on each other to get a certain task done, but I also want to be better than the guy next to me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And how are you going to be better than the guy next to you? If you're sitting in your sweats in your fucking living room, it's like, like I showed up and I looked at the guy and I was like, yeah, we're on the same team, but I'm, get a, I'm better than you <laughs> <laughs> and like it's I know that sounds very like blunt but it's like it's it's, it's more of a subconscious level thing where it's like you you want to be the fucking person at your chosen profession that's like like people are like that fucking guy that guy's the shit he's solid he's good he's faster he's better he thinks on his feet he doesn't lose his temper it's like you can't communicate that through doing like zoom meeting after his fucking zoom meeting fucking sitting in your underwear covering your own fucking cum it doesn't work that way yeah no that's kind of why i like I, I can't wait to like start traveling more and shit so i can start going down to austin and doing more in-person podcasts with people because i love talking in person and like the whole yeah. zoom thing's fun and all that but like i i just want to i want to do this in person i want to like sit there and like, I don't know if you smoke, but like pass a joint back and forth while we fucking talk and shit and just fucking go. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd say podcasting is one of the few exceptions where something like this is, uh, it's a, because we're, uh, we're expressing ourselves. We're not working. We, you know, we're not adhering to HR, uh, guidelines. <laughs> we're sitting here talking about, uh, uh, cum and smoking weed. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? And like, I, I do think like that. This is who this technology is for. Like, yeah, sure. It has a utilitarian thing of like, I need to talk with a client in another country. I'm like, yeah, I can. I can see that. But also it's like people like us use it, too. You know what <laughs> I mean? And but um, but, you know, sooner or later, like, well, we'll you know, hopefully we'll eventually do this in person. Yeah. You know what I mean? And. So it's like technology like this, you know, there's, there's, there's good sides and bad sides to it. And I, you know, I mean, but I, I think we need to use like technology like this to our benefit because, you know, at some point it's like you meet someone on the internet and next thing you know, you're talking to them in person. That's kind of, a, that's pretty amazing. It's like, yeah, no, a pen it's, pal. It's it's like if you're really in jail and you're pen paling with somebody and then you actually meet them once you get out, you're like, oh shit, <laughs> I used to just read your hand, look at your hand handwriting and guess what your face looks like now I, now I actually know what your face looks like that's cool or when you like hear someone's voice in person and it just rings differently than it does through like headphones or on a cell phone or and all that yeah yeah 
Yeah, I'm I'm way more awkward in person. Oh, me too, dude. When I'm, when I'm holding perfectly still on a camera, like I look super cool, but uh, like, yeah, you like you get all fucking, you get everyone on con men just in a room. You're like, these are the fucking four most awkward white dudes I've ever seen in my life. Oh yeah, no, I've hung out just, with Coop, Sean, and Joel. So just pale, pasty. <laughs> Soft looking people. Kissing and sunlight looking people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're, they're essentially vampires that don't have the balls to feast on human blood. That's what they are. It's, it's pathetic. <laughs> oh, yeah, <man. laughs> oh, yeah, man. Well, I enjoyed this. If you want to wrap this up, you can tell the people where to find you. I'll for sure have you on again because this has been fucking great. Yeah, man, I like that. Um, let's see. I uh, Skeleton Factory podcast for all your cult film needs. I am on Instagram at skeleton underscore factory. You can go ahead and uh, get a hold of me there if you have any questions. If you want to recommend any films to me, and I actually have a, a listener recommend uh, recommendation episode coming up here in the future. Once I get through, once I get through the Tetsuo trilogy of films i'm going to do a listener recommendation episode and i have uh, enough recommendations to do a full episode this will be my second one so i'm excited about that but yeah skeleton underscore factory on instagram and you and you know any uh, any of the finer podcasting uh, purveyors out there you can find me Hell yeah, man. You guys know where to find me at the Desert Hippie underscore on Instagram at Wake and Jake Podcast on Instagram for the show and my other show at Drunkstone and Uninformed. Uh, have a good night. Stay lit. Love y'all. <laughs>